0: Welcome to the Worship Place Podcast. We are thankful we can worship with you and pray this message blesses your day. We look forward to seeing you in person next service. Praise the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. It's... uh... I appreciate the blessings of the Lord. I want to just maybe give you a few thoughts tonight in terms of uh, what I would entitle, not so much a sermon per se, maybe just a lesson, lessons from water, lessons from water. And uh, so I just want to give you some thoughts. I I hope that uh, this will be a, a, uh, will connect with you. You know, everybody goes through something. I've not met anybody yet, and I I mean believer, non-believer. Everybody goes through things. A lot of times we would say, well, um, you know, we would use Scripture and say, well, it rains on the just and the unjust. How many believe that? It's in the Word. It rains on the just and the unjust, meaning, well, God, I don't understand why I'm having problems. Well, you know, you're going to have some problems. I would say this to you, though, for the church, for a child of God, there is never a moment wasted with God. We go through things, and while while the world may consider this, well, this is just, you know, it happens. How many have heard that? You know, well, this happens, you know, well, you'll get over it, it happens. God uses things that may be because of life, maybe because of an attack from the devil. It could be for several reasons. But God uses things with his people to bring them to specific places on their journey. In other words, God doesn't waste our time at all. Uh, For example, even with God, um, a light affliction has an eternal weight of glory. So if you want to look at just what Paul described as our light affliction... It still has a benefit. Uh, Then when you look at someone that Jesus did not know when he walked the shores of Galilee, he saw a blind man sitting by the wayside. And the disciples asked that that proverbial question, who sinned? Because, you know, somebody's got to sin if you're having trouble. Right? Somebody's sinning. Well, Lord, you know, they've had all kinds of problems. There must be something going on. You know, Jesus said for someone he doesn't know, This has nothing to do with sin. This is so the works of God could be manifest in this blind man. If God would do that for a blind man, how do you think he treats his own children? So you're going through something and you think, well, this is just, uh, uh, you know, this is probability. This is statistics. I'm just going through things. That may well be true, but I would tell you this. God's not going to let that go. Without using it for his glory. And his glory is that you're stronger. That you live for him. That you're a champion. And that when you come out of it, you're not burned. But in fact, you're better. And his light shining through you in a greater way, in a glorious way. Now that's just how God works. So I want to just tell you some things about water Because I understand there are different applications of water in Scripture. Water, obviously, is analogous in God's Word to cleansing. There are healing properties in water. It's restorative. He leadeth me beside the still water. The church is sanctified and cleansed by the washing of water by the Word. So, obviously, it is analogous and used as an illustration for its healing properties. But it's also used, and which is what I want to kind of focus on for a few minutes. It's also used uh, 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 as an analogy to barriers that you have to overcome. In other words, water in God's word separates people from something that that His design is for them to overcome. I will tell you this of necessity. You're gonna experience water in a figurative sense in both of those cases. You're gonna need, and I'm gonna need to be cleansed by the word. That's why we come here. We need the washing of the water by the word. Uh, We're gonna need the Lord to lead us beside still waters and let us just drink from his presence. We're gonna have to have that. We're gonna have to draw water from the wells of salvation. So we're going to have to have those. But we're also going to have to un- overcome some turbulent things in life. And so of necessity, we're going to go through both of those. But I want to, I want to talk about some of those seemingly insurmountable barriers. Those things that... that have, have you ever had any of those? Anybody ever felt like you've got something that's insurmountable? That you can't handle? God's word gives us some direction. And, and these barriers are analogous to some of those water barriers uh, in God's word. For example, now this is just to give you some example. Turbulent water. You have read scriptures about turbulent water. It's likened in God's word to being spiritually indecisive or the wicked. As opposed to, of course, still waters that bring calm. James 1 and 6. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind that's an example of indecisiveness that comes about from let's say spiritual turbulence or turbulence in life causes us to be fearful maybe indecisive and then in isaiah 57:20 but the wicked are like the troubled sea or the tossing sea for it cannot be quiet and its waters toss up mire and dirt you can see how these words paint this beautiful picture you can see that turbulence you can see that calm and certainly all of us have been through some of those turbulent waters but here's the thing I would have you know about the barriers and I would I would tell you up front And I believe this with all my heart there's literally nothing you're going to go through that God can't bring you through completely I haven't experienced everything, and neither of you, but between all of us, we have a lot of experiences in here. And God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all. There is nothing that you're going through that God can't bring you completely through and out the other side. Isaiah 43:2. When, not if, everybody say when. It's going to happen, it already has happened, no surprise to anybody, when you pass through the waters. See, it's a barrier, but when you pass through them, what? I will be with you. Now that gives me a, I don't know, it's supposed to give us comfort. You're going to go through it, but I'm going to be with you when you walk through it. The implication is there's nothing that you're gonna go through that you'll go through alone. Now the comfort is if God be for you, if God's with you, if God's holding my hand, if I'm going through a trial, a test, I need a miracle. If God's going through it with you, that's the comfort. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. Now by implication, if God's not with me, what would happen? The waters would overflow me. The rivers would overwhelm me. But he said, I'm with you. When you walk through the fire, you won't be burned and the flames shall not consume you. And so these these natural elements that God paints a picture with tells us a story about things that we're going to go through. But God is always there with us. It's it's actually the passing through the thing that is the miracle in and of itself. We always try to look through the thing to the other side, but it's actually the going through it and not going alone. That's the greatest miracle we'll ever have. I don't know how I did it. Have you ever felt that way? I just don't know how I did this. Well, I can tell you how you did it. It was the hand of God. It was the Lord with you. Try going through some of the stuff you've been through without the presence of God without the word of God. And I would say this, and I believe this, there are no limits, or excuse me, there are limits to what the devil can do or life can do to you. There are limits because God has set bounds. Around his church, God has set bounds. And so it's not as if pastor just talked about Job and the Lord saying, okay, I'll back up a little bit. Why? Because God put bounds around that man or boundaries. In other words, there's protection there. I remember my mother used to say, um, uh, I got hit by a car when I was on a bicycle when I was a kid, just doing crazy stuff. And my mother, I didn't have the Holy Ghost, so I came home, she said, that was the guardian angel. The guardian angel, the guardian angel. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you don't think the hand of God? Absolutely, there are things that maybe could have happened had it not been for the hand of God. Where would I be without the goodness of God? You say, man, I'm in a mess now. What would it look like if you didn't have the presence of God? But there are limits. Look at God's word. Job 38 and 8, pastor talked about some of these verses the other day. Who shut in the sea with doors? Who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed, listen to this, prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, listen to what he said, to the water, to the oceans. So what he told Job. Thus far you shall you come. And no farther. And here shall your proud waves be stayed. In other words, God said to the seas and to the ocean, This is where you stop. You can't go past here. Again, Proverbs 8 29, when he assigned to the sea its limit. Don't ever believe that the hand of God is withdrawn. The presence of God is there. David, the psalmist said, though I make my bed in hell, thou art with me. There's still a boundary around me. They used to sing a song, Jesus, build a fence all around me. You know, hedge me in. He's got us hedged in. He said, when he assigned to the sea its limits so that the waters might not transgress his command when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Do you not fear me, declares the Lord, Jeremiah 5.22. Do you not tremble before me? I place the sand as a boundary for the sea, a perpetual barrier that it cannot pass. Though the waves toss, they cannot prevail. Though they roar, they cannot pass over it. So when God says, this is the boundary, devil, you can do a lot because you're the prince of the power of the air. But there are certain things you can't do. I'm gonna show you in scripture, Matthew 16, 18. Here's one of the things he can't touch. And I tell you, you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And you say, oh, the devil is, is on the church. He's going to destroy the church. He can't destroy the church. The powers of darkness can push against the church all it wants to, but the church is going to be victorious because the Lord commanded that the gates of hell will never prevail against God's people. It's just, it it won't happen. You can't, here's another one. And this is, this is in God's word. You say, uh, I know, and I, I've been attacked by the devil, and you're going to be attacked. And you say, well, what am I going to do? You, you get on your knees, and you resist him, and you say, God, right now, I rebuke this spirit. I resist it. But this is what Paul said in Romans six fourteen: For sin, everybody say sin, sin. will no longer be master over you. See, King James says, for sin shall not have dominion over you since you are not under the law but under unmerited grace as recipients of God's favor and mercy. Devil, you can bring all kinds of trials. You can can harass, you can bully, but sin is never gonna have dominion over the people of God. We have an altar, the blood was shed. We have forgiveness of sins because the veil was rent from top to bottom. There is no sin that he won't forgive. That doesn't mean the devil won't try to play with your mind and say, well the blood can't cover that. I rebuke that. John sixteen thirty three. Jesus said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you're going to have trouble. But what? You know, he, the church is a, an entity of overcomers. That's what we do. We overcome. He said, I take heart. I have overcome the world. So there are three bodies of water. And I'm going to tell you very quickly the three and give you the significance of I'm just going to talk to you a little bit about one. Uh, The Red Sea, the Jordan River, and the Sea of Galilee. So I want to give you the significance of each of these very quickly, and then I'm going to talk more about the Red Sea and just finish on that. The Red Sea, I think, is illustrative, is analogous to escape and destination. The Jordan River is analogous to access. And the Sea of Galilee is analogous to trust. And so if you want to look those other two up at some point, the Jordan River, just look at scriptures that that allude to the Jordan River or the Sea of Galilee and you will see some of these things. The Red Sea, I think, is analogous to the concept of escape. Sometimes God puts us in a place to dispel fear when we go through a test and a trial. In other words, the design is, I don't want you to be afraid and so I'm going to put you in a place where most people would be, but you're not. When, In other words, when your senses tell you that this is a fight or flight situation, I want you to do what the psychologists say is flow. You either fight, flight or flow i'm gonna fight it i'm gonna run from it no the lord is saying i want to teach you to face the enemy and just stand there and i don't want you to be afraid anymore this is the craziest thing i think god how do you teach me by putting me in something that's how the lord does it so sometimes i'm in a place where the lord says i'm gonna dispel your fear And the way I'm going to do it is you're going to face something that your natural flesh wants you to be afraid of, but I don't want you to fear at all. Isaiah 43, 1. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not. Why shouldn't I fear? I'm a human being. We all have things we're afraid of. Why shouldn't you fear? Because he says, for I have redeemed you. That's why you shouldn't be afraid. You're mine. See, the mere identity that you belong to God is enough to dispel the fear. You've been newborn. You're a newborn. You've been birthed into the kingdom. So you belong to me. He says, I've redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. Everybody say, Fear not. not. This is from God to his people. And so, God, you're telling me I shouldn't be afraid. That's right. And I'm gonna put you in a situation where your, your flesh is gonna tell you that you should be shaken to your to your knees, scared to death but you remember you belong to me. You just remember when you stand there and you feel like you're by yourself, you remember, I'm right there. You belong to me. You are mine. And by implication, the identity itself is enough. It's enough. Now I want to say this. God will never take you through a crisis without a purpose or a destination on the other side of it. In other words, we don't have time in our lives just to go through different points in time and they have no connection whatsoever. The Lord takes us from faith to faith. So the crisis that you're going through has a purpose somehow on the other side. God has, in other words, a destination. Sometimes we can't plan out our lives that way. We go through and we think, well, I stumbled on that. You ever felt that way? I, I stumbled on this. Well, boy, this, is a, this was luck. I hear people say that and I'm thinking, oh, I don't want to use that word. I know what we say. We say, oh, I was blessed. I don't even like saying it was good fortune because that sounds like it's excluding God. That's not to say you're bad if you did. I, I don't mean that. I'm just saying, I believe, since we believe that the Lord has a hand in our lives, I don't believe he's some entity out there who's disassociated with his creation. I believe God sees us. I believe he talks to us. I believe he has plans for us. So where you are in your life, God has a design for that And if it's a crisis or a trial, to bring you through that to something else that draws you closer to him in his kingdom. That has a purpose for you in his kingdom. I would rather not go through anything. Anyone with me? I think I would be a much happier individual not to go through anything. I do. The problem is I would be nowhere in God's kingdom. Right? Well, if God, if I could just, if you could just take care of everything, exclude me from all of the tests and trials, I'm, I'm good to go. But really, I'm not. I can't have a relationship with a God who can't reveal who he is to me through trials and tests. I want a relationship. I've heard people say, well, I want to be like Moses. I, you know, I don't know. I'm, I kind of hesitate on that. I don't know if I want to go through all that stuff. I just want not be like Joshua. Well, great. Climb up there with Moses. You know, you're getting ready to cross a river. You got to be okay. You got to trust in God. Now, sometimes, you know, I think God. Do you? Are you speaking to? But you still got to do what you know to do. When you've done all to stand, you just stand. Hold on to God's word. Exodus 13, 17 through 18, when Pharaoh let the people go, just some scriptures here, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the Philistines. Why not? There was more than one way to get to the promised land. Why didn't God take them by land? Well, see, God had already thought through that if there is even a thinking through for God. That's a word I understand, a term, thinking through something. God doesn't have to think through stuff. God did not lead them by the land of the Philistines, although that was near. It was actually closer, right? That's what it says. For God said, lest the people change their minds. Oh, I'd never do that. I don't know if I want to live for God. Man, this is hard. Lest the people change their minds when they see war, not actually fight. Sometimes when I look at a situation, it it disheartens me and I melt. Man, they hadn't even fought a battle yet. And, And God said if they see war, if they even see conflict, they'll be disheartened and they'll change their minds. So I don't even want them to see, you can't tell me God doesn't protect us and put his hand on us. God has protected us from a whole lot of stuff. He said, lest they see war and return to Egypt. I'm gonna go back to captivity just because I saw something that looked unpleasant to me. And and I, I don't think God is with me now. Because, see, it brings up a whole type, a whole thing of questions, a litany of questions. God, why would you do this to me? Have we ever said that? You don't have to answer that, but I know we have. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward what? Toward the water. So God's bringing me to a barrier that's impassable right is it impass? it is impassable I heard I heard somebody say one time that that um, uh, that historian said there's no way the Red Sea could have been more than a couple feet deep and and one guy when someone said that to him said well I'm even more encouraged he said why is that he said well that's a bigger miracle if God could drown them in two feet of water God led them to a barrier. Why? Because it was a way for him to show who he was and how much he loved them. And in the process of that, they would learn that their fears while reality were not God's reality. And I'm not saying we can just get rid of I know We're, we all have a, a certain level of apprehension call it maybe anxiety but the bottom line is that I want you to understand tonight is when you face your Red Sea you understand this God's word says you're not going to be overwhelmed you're not going to drown and he's going to be right there with you and by virtue of the fact that you're going through that kind of barrier means God specifically intentionally wanted you to go there instead of somewhere else because he knew that he could show his power to you here and he knew that you would be safe here I mean how many have ever said if I could have just done something else have you ever said that even about maybe your job or your profession if I only would have done this in school if I would have cared in school right or if I only could have gone this other path what would have happened honey there's no point in even going back and looking at that God has a plan for you. You are where you are right now. Put your life in the hands of God. Trust in him and don't be afraid. He led the people by way of the wilderness. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt. They they went equipped for battle. And guess what God didn't want them to do? Fight. That's so funny because God knew, although they had the weapons, they would have been disheartened to see war. Oh, I'm ready to go. God, if you'd have just done well, I, we don't even know ourselves sometimes. The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, God, try the heart. I try the reins. God knows. He knows. So God, I'm starting here, and I'm going to have faith and trust in you. Exodus 13, 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar. What a miracle. The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart before the people. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes. I skipped down some. And behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And what happened? They feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried to the Lord, cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt? Can you imagine can you imagine the questions that would have formulated in their minds if they would have seen war with the Philistines on land? If God chose this direction here because he knew their hearts would melt going this way, and the questions they have here was, why didn't you just bury me in Egypt? He knew that that was going to be a disaster. And so God led them this way. He said, "Leave us alone." We'll serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than die in the wilderness. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff. Stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. That the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. See, we're not ready to walk on water yet. We still have to stay attached to the earth. But in the the process of time for the Lord to get us to a place where we can walk on water, he goes ahead and he parts the waters so we can keep walking. I may not be ready to walk on water, but honey, don't despair. God then will throw the water out of the way and you're going to be all right. I've never done this before. It's all right. Just let God put his hand in it. It's going to be all right. Man, he tell the people of Israel to go forward. The angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them. The pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. There was a cloud of darkness. And then Exodus 14, 10 through 12. And it lit up the night without one coming near. That was a pillar of fire the other all night. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And this is what I'm going to finish on. Do this. Does that feel familiar? I always think of, well, I'm praising God. Think of it this way. I'm parting the sea. I'm giving God the glory, but you know what I'm gonna do over that impassable barrier, this right here. Sometimes you can dance when you're doing it, and sometimes you're doing good just to raise the arm up. Whatever you do, just do it. Think it. God, I'm I'm you know what? You said you were with me. I'm here. However I got here, now I'm here. Now, in your name, in your name, I'm going to believe you're going to dispel these waters and this barrier, and I'm going to walk through this. You know what the Lord did? Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night long. It may take all night. Just because I don't see the outcome doesn't mean that God's not part in the water. It may take just a minute. God, I thought you just, it's gone. Sometimes those barriers are pretty big, but the Lord knew how much wind to blow against those waters, and it took all night. But, honey, eventually the Bible says it was dry. Not moist, not marshy, not mushy. It was dry. And the waters were divided. The people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, waters being a wall to them on their right. So here's the message if you need a way out or a way to, a way of escape, don't run. Do what Moses told the children of Israel stand still. And then do what the Lord commanded Moses and stretch out your hand over it. And sometimes you may be so numb from the trial and the test, all you can do is. But I believe showing the act of faith of saying, God, I'm going to worship you and I don't care. I, all I, sometimes all I can get is just say thank you. If I can't say a word, then I just wave a hand. I can't say anything, God. I'm doing this as an act of faith. This is all I can do right now. You know what's going to happen? You're going to hear the wind blowing. You may not hear it right away, but you're gonna, God's gonna, God is going to show up. And all you did was say, God, you put me here, and I know you said to fear not. That's in your word. And I'm just going to believe it, so I'm doing this. Will you do that right now? Why don't you just say a word to the Lord right now? I want you to hold your hand over the Red Sea, God did not intend, by the way, for us to stay on this side of the barrier, this side of the problem, this side of the discouragement, this side of the anxiety. The Lord wants us to pass on through it. And the way I'm going to pass on through it is I'm going to raise my hand up over it and toward heaven and start giving the King of kings and the Lord of lords a little bit of praise and worship. God, I don't understand this, but it doesn't matter. I'm just going to wave my hand. I'm going to believe you, Lord. I'm going to stretch out my hand by faith. I'm going to say thank you even when I don't know why I'm saying it. I don't even have anything, Lord, to thank you for in my own mind, but I'm going to do it anyway. Just because you are God. And I know that for a fact. That's a truth. And if you'll do this just a little bit, you're going to feel those waters moving back. You're going to feel the breath of God on you. You'll feel a little bit of that that Shekinah glory, the power of God come over you. And what you saw as an impassable barrier, you're going to start seeing a place to step and a place to walk. Let's stand right now to our feet and give God praise. Thank you, Jesus. God, the things that people call impossible are possible with you. With God, all things are possible. We raise our hands up toward you and over God, the Red Sea, the barrier that presents itself. Oh, God, in faith believing, we stand still to see the salvation of Almighty God. God, you have placed us where we are for a purpose. It's no accident. You will use where we are to shine, to cause your power, God, to move, that glory might be manifested in your people, in your children, your sons and your daughters, I'm asking you, God, to move on every brother and every sister and every home and let them feel the power of God moving. God, there is a a power, there is a Shekinah, there is a wind of God blowing. Oh, God, to give us a place where we can walk, Lord, to the still water. The water may be turbulent, but God, you're getting ready, Lord, to divide it and allow us to walk on. To walk on, to walk on, to walk on. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You'll never leave us nor forsake us. You'll never put more on us than we can bear, Lord. Sometimes we think God's not there. I understand that. I've felt that way. I'm sure you have too. Sometimes if you just go get one verse of Scripture, just put it out in front of you, tack it on a wall, keep it in your car, and just keep looking at it. That's an act of faith. I can think of an old song, and that helps me build my faith. Don't stand at what's in front of you and lose your hope in the God who has been guiding you. Honey, you've come too far to turn around and go back now. Too much water under the bridge, so to speak. Whatever you're going through, I would invite us just to come for a moment of prayer. But there is a song that comes to my mind, and it goes like this, a song I heard a long time ago. With an everlasting love, I will love you, and on the fatness of the land, I'll feed you. And a mansion in the sky. I will deed you and your high places. I will bring down. I will make the darkness light before you. What is wrong, I'll make it right before you and a mansion in the sky I will deed you and your high places I will bring down Thus saith the Lord, fear not, for I am with thee, I have called thee by name, and I have chosen thee. Do not fear the terror by night, I am with thee. Do not fear the arrow that flieth by day, I am with thee. I am thy God, and I have called thee by name. Raise thy hands out toward the sea before you and I will blow against it and give thee passage